I'm sorry, guys. I, no one ever lets me talk this long. I, I just got lost. Parks and Recreation is celebrated as a relentlessly optimistic, kindness-centered show. But that's not how it treats one of its main characters, poor Jerry Gergich. You guys will never believe what I just found on Jerry's Facebook. A friend. Burn. Though he's a dedicated member of the Parks Department gang, Jerry is constantly mistreated, bullied, and disrespected by the other characters, even called by the wrong name all the way up to his death. They spelled his name wrong on the tombstone. <sighs> Close enough. It may seem like he's just a stock sitcom punching bag and there's not a lot of meaning in this joke, but looking back it's strangely nasty bullying from characters who otherwise come across as so well-meaning, sweet, and idealistic. Arguably, over the course of Parks and Rec, Jerry even becomes a stand-in for the ordinary people of Pawnee, someone that the narrative claims to respect but frequently condescends to while ignoring their positive qualities. Here's our take on why the persecution of Jerry is the one thing that hasn't aged so well about Parks and Recreation, and if it secretly revealed a flaw in the show's attitude. Forget it, let's all pretend Jerry wasn't born. This is the take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Before we go on, don't forget to subscribe. And let us know what you're watching. Your support means so much to us. I really think this looks pretty good. Why don't you get a pair of white shoes, move down to Miami Beach, and get the whole thing over? It's not unusual for sitcoms to have a character who frequently becomes the target of other characters' jokes. The Office's Michael never misses an opportunity to mock his punching bag HR rep, Toby. If I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Toby, I would shoot Toby twice. On Arrested Development, Michael is constantly belittling and literally forgetting about George Michael's girlfriend, Anne. I haven't met him. Yes, you have. Michael had met Anne. Let her in. She, that's, that's her right over there. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's gang saves their most hurtful burns for the only woman in their group, Sweet D. You're completely unreliable, D. Really, you're like all gangly and uncoordinated. Of course, there's nothing wrong with sitcoms making fun of their characters, especially when they're shows that pride themselves on being cutting and sarcastic. Characters being mean can be one of the best things about the genre. Uh, the AT&T of people. But Parks and Rec often positions itself as, and feels like, a different kind of comedy. One that relies on kindness and optimistic resolutions for its whole community of characters. So why does that rule apply for everyone but Jerry? Oh, come on. Why? The harassment of Jerry and the humor around making this good person feel bad is out of place in a series where the characters' lives are normally taken very seriously. Even a major scary event for Jerry, a heart attack, is treated as a big joke. Oh, jeez, did a dinosaur just fart? Jerry, get a grip! Sorry, guys. Oh, apology not accepted. Not only do Leslie and Anne provoke Jerry's heart attack by scaring him, but their attempts to raise money for him still treat the episode as fundamentally comedic. As many of you know, Jerry Gergich, our friend, has suffered a devastating fart attack, and we are here to help. And even after Leslie fails to raise enough money to pay for Jerry's crippling hospital bills, his health problems become a roundabout way to teach her a lesson about coping with her own problems. Leslie, you can't actually plan your future. You know, I mean, there's no guarantees in this world. 
To underline just how extreme Parks and Rec's treatment of Jerry was, let's compare it to an example from a show with an overlapping creative team, The Office. Both Jerry and Toby are punching bags who are completely unassuming, often friendly and inoffensive personalities. Michael irrationally hates Toby in much the same way the Pawnee Parks Department hates Jerry. But whereas Parks and Rec treats Jerry's bullying as something we're on side with, The Office somewhat mocks the absurdity of Michael's reaction to Toby. No! God! No! God! Please, no! It also offers some logic to the hatred. Michael dislikes Toby because he's the HR rep, i.e. the voice of reason who gets in the way of Michael's signature chaos and fun. Toby is in HR, so he's really not a part of our family. It's a lot harder to understand why the Parks and Rec gang is so mean to Jerry. Significantly, most of the other Dunder Mifflin employees don't join in on bullying Toby in an extreme way, even if he subtly manages to influence their view of Toby over time. Jerry, however, continues to be criticized by the most likable and kind-hearted characters on the show. For my mural, I was inspired by the death of my grandma. You said mural. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. You said mural. I heard it. Toby is a pretty sad character over the years, but the other joke Parks and Rec makes about punching bag Jerry is that, outside of this workplace bubble, maybe he's not a loser at all. His wife, Gail, is played by supermodel Christy Brinkley, and they have three beautiful daughters. It becomes a running joke that no one else seems to understand what Gail sees in Jerry. You are still the most handsome man in the world to me. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the joke is, of course, that we're supposed to identify with Leslie and being confused by this relationship. We're not supposed to think he deserves to be happy. And the series goes out of its way to suggest he is gifted in other ways, because that's the only way that a beautiful woman could possibly be interested in him. That man has the largest penis I have ever seen. But if we step back, what exactly is so objectionable about Jerry? What if Gail's right, and the Parks Department employees are wrong, and in the process revealing a sort of ugly bias in their mindset? Perhaps the most frustrating and baffling things about Parks and Rec's treatment of Jerry is that he's the character who most frequently acts as a stand-in for the ordinary people of Pawnee. In theory, Parks and Rec is about highlighting the potential of local government to help people. How would you feel if we turned that pit into a beautiful community park? Yet, while the characters claim to care about these regular people, in daily life they generally mock and condescend to them, much as they do Jerry. Now is this park going to have a playground or you know, maybe a pool for the kids? Oh, uh, how old are your kids? No kids. Uh-oh. Humble, hardworking Jerry is eager to be a productive and helpful public servant. However, his contributions never seem to matter to his co-workers, who overlook his obvious, sometimes remarkable creative talents. It's pointillism, and each dot is a photo of a citizen of the town. <laughs> no one cares. In addition to his painting skills, he's a brilliant pianist and an amazing engineer. Of course, part of the joke about everyone dismissing Jerry is that he's actually extremely gifted. I think I have discovered a way to generate clean, renewable energy. But the team's focus on his shortcomings and willingness to ignore his strengths is indicative of the show's broader approach to government. Parks and Rec valorizes the idea of public service and the hope that dedicated government work can actually improve the lives of citizens. We fought, scratched, and clawed to make people's lives a tiny bit better. 
That's what public service is all about. But in practice, the characters are rewarded for their vague good intentions and the effort they put into being elected rather than their abilities to actually help people. Leslie idolizes the concept of powerful women in government without getting into the details of what particular women do with their power. She groups together figures like Michelle Obama and Condoleezza Rice as mythical superheroes rather than evaluating their own individual strengths or faults with nuance. Are you nodding because you agree with me? Yes. I do agree with you. I agree with you on all things throughout history until the end of time forever. And ultimately, Leslie, and by extension the rest of the cast, are treated as superior to the people they serve. The citizens of Pawnee are, like Jerry, constantly mocked for their incompetence, their inability to appreciate Leslie, and their health or size. Our seats have extra cushioning due to the massive size of our average citizen. While a show like Veep works to satirize government officials... They're calling you the no BS VP. Damn right they are! <laughs> I mean, I lied and everything, but it sounded true. Parks and Rec frames constituents as annoying, overgrown children, and government workers as their educated saviors. As critic Grace Robertson puts it, In many ways, Jerry's contentedness with his middling life in Pawnee made him the face of the ordinary townspeople in the office, and the show just couldn't resist humiliating that. In fact, Leslie herself makes this comparison while expressing her judgment over the townspeople. One way or another, I'm gonna get money so you can protect Jerry and all the other helpless, pathetic people in this town. This disdain ignores the fact that Jerry is often the only person willing to do the work that actually keeps things running. He's an ace at filling out paperwork, stuffing envelopes, and generally doing the clerical tasks that aren't glamorous. You don't mind this work, do you? Uh-uh. I like it. By the end of the series, everyone is rewarded for their work by having their wildest dreams come true, even those with questionable job performances. While some characters are given eventful futures, becoming things like a successful children's entertainer or president of the United States, Jerry's goals remain more local. Many of the jokes at Jerry's expense revolve around the seemingly small scope of his life, like the fact that he goes on vacation in the state of Indiana. You went on a vacation and you chose Muncie, Indiana? But the joke here is confusing, given that the show purports to be celebrating a small town that is forever overlooked. Isn't Jerry the embodiment of that core value? Someone who wants to spend time in Indiana even when he doesn't have to? My wife and I have a timeshare. In Muncie? We need to celebrate everything that we've done together as a group. The core of most TV sitcoms is either a family, a group of friends that become a family, or a workplace that, you guessed it, eventually becomes a family. If I had had a son, and uh, he had turned out like you, I would be very proud of him. The series starts pairing off characters, April and Andy, Ben and Leslie, etc., and puts a lot of work into ensuring that they'll be part of each other's lives forever. What makes work worth doing is getting to do it with people that you love. And what about Jerry? Despite how much he's abused, he certainly wants to be a part of this chosen office family. Occasionally, the bullying will go so far that some characters will briefly extend a small gesture of kindness to Jerry that suggests, in his way, he is part of the family. You can come in if you do something nice for Jerry. Hey, I already did something nice for Jerry. I drove here to take him to Jerry dinner. But most of the time, his role in that family is dark. After retirement, Jerry comes back to the office at his former co-worker's request, not because they miss him as a person, but because Tom hates being the new target of office jokes. And he'll never be the new Jerry. What you need is some fresh meat in the office. 
They ask Jerry back just so that they can continue to mistreat him, and he selflessly agrees, showing how dedicated he is to those around him. Hey! What are you doing here, Jerry? I thought you were fired. I wasn't fired. I retired. That's what they all say. It's a reminder that the role you get placed in within your particular family or team can stick, for better and worse. And we can see how that erodes Jerry's confidence, as he too sees himself as someone who doesn't need to be treated with respect. He's bought into everyone else's idea of him, and is too beaten down to stick up for himself. They knocked me to the ground. How did you counterattack? Fist to the throat? No, I just curled up and laid still till they left. While other characters' concerns are taken seriously, when Jerry expresses the exact same sentiment, it becomes a joke. And this kind of treatment does damage to our minds and self-image. I believe you are capable of much more. I'm not. It's true that often Jerry makes mistakes, whether it's mixing up words or dropping a burrito in a creek. But that doesn't make him worthy of ridicule. After all, his co-workers also make frequent mistakes, and Tom, Ron, and April all go out of their way to do as little work as possible. Maybe the real issue that the Parks and Rec team have with Jerry is that, unlike the rest of them, he never needed an office family at all. Jerry, come and celebrate. No thanks. Instead, Jerry has a much healthier attitude toward his work, that it's ultimately just work. The best part about working at the Parks Department was that I got to be home every night with my family at 5 o'clock. And to me, that's what mattered most. While it's easy to dismiss the Jerry humor as just a joke, it ultimately doesn't reflect all that well on the Parks and Rec family. It suggests that even in communities like this that are supposedly about lifting people up, people crave a distinct hierarchy, including someone on the bottom rung they can punch down on. Damn it, Jerry, you just had to do your job, didn't you? Other shows have more successfully managed to escape this trap in a thoughtful way. Frasier Crane was introduced as a punching bag on Cheers, an egghead intellectual the Cheers regulars can rag on constantly. Wanna come in and have a beer? Well, I, uh, I wouldn't want to impose. Okay, good night. But eventually, Frasier becomes an interesting enough character to be the center of his own show, a series that keeps his annoying, unlikable traits and still shows him getting grief from friends and family, yet does justice to his good and complex qualities. Niles, I would shave my head for you gesture which becomes less significant with each passing year. So it ultimately underlines that being well-liked by everyone isn't the most important criteria for being a character we want to follow. It's also possible to create feel-good comedy driven by character quirks without resorting to mean-spirited mockery. Just look at hyper-positive Ted Lasso. Most of the show's laughs come from protagonist Ted embracing his unconventional personality. I never know how to react when a grown man does the cartoon in front of me. You can see a silhouette do this, you know exactly what it is, you know exactly who's doing it. While jokes made about other characters never frame them as losers or suggest that belittling them is okay. The show also looks at how being treated dismissively affects people in a toxic way through assistant coach Nate in season two. Before Ted becomes the team's manager, Nate was bullied by team members, and even after Nate's star rapidly rises under Ted's leadership, Ted and the others still sometimes subconsciously view him as not on their level. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, you're being serious. The hurt Ted and others inflict is unintentional, but Nate's feeling neglected and overlooked fuels his unhealthy emotional habits and contributes to him turning on his former friends. So the underlying message is any form of bullying or belittling is not harmless fun. As a low-key, average guy who has a handle on his priorities, Jerry contrasts with the heightened emotions and wacky antics that initially made us love Parks and Rec. 
yet his ending is perhaps the one that most encapsulates the heart of the show. Leslie might go on to be president, but Jerry is the one who's truly most committed to their hometown. He becomes the beloved mayor of Pawnee, serving 10 times and a symbol of everything good about their little sect of Indiana. Happy birthday, my sweet, sweet husband. We all love you so much. Sometimes there's something even more admirable about a person who doesn't seek global greatness and acclaim, but is content with their relatively small place in the world and does everything they can to lift that place up. Contrary to the belief of the characters and the show itself, this virtue is what everyone should have seen in Jerry all along. Why don't you start your day the garbage way with eggs, bacon, and toast? If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified about all of our new videos.